Namaste. This is Maya Tewari with another episode of Women's Power to Heal Mother Earth. For the past 35 years, since surviving ovarian cancer, I have been teaching the global work of health, healing, and self-peace. I am the founder of the Wise Earth School of Ayurveda, the first of its kind in North America. I'm also the director of the Mother Om Mission, which brings free Ayurveda and yoga education to the at-risk communities in New York's inner cities. I have been a featured speaker for the Parliament of the World's Religion and other major peace conferences. I have been promoting the cultivation of inner harmony through my work with the Peace Mandala. Welcome to Women's Power to Heal Mother Earth. Today I speak of healing our ancestral memories, a work that is near and dear to me that I have toiled with for many years. Opening the gateway to consciousness and awareness of our ancestors so that we may remember them, bringing them closer, keeping them in the circle of life where they are woven anyway. At this pivotal time in human consciousness evolution, the most important understanding we can offer is neither physical, emotional or financial. It is a practice of prayer. It is spiritual service that helps to restore our ancestral memory so that we may heal the long ignored rift with our spirit world. At the present time of great vulnerability in our earth, on our earth, in our world, I invite you to connect to the powerful energies of ancestors, whether or not you know who they may be. The disparate cultures such as the Vedic people, Native Americans, the shamans, African tribes, the Amerindian tribes, share similar beliefs about the tremendous problems we, say we face today. Problems like the pandemic of COVID-19, which is a novel virus, issues of terrorism, natural disasters, pollution, genocide, violence, poverty, are all crimes that take us away from the peace, the serenity that is our innate human nature. But it is more than offering the prayers to include ancestors. It is about healing ancestral memory that we have carried within us from generations to generation in an unbroken linkage that lives on today. It is more than having the faith 
that they are with us, that they support us, that we never stand alone, and that our lives have been built on the collective memories and actions, on the collective blessings and the non-blessings of our ancestors' lives. The ancestors can be both the source of hardship and the remedy. Yet every time we make the right choice when faced with these inherited patterns, our ancestral patterns, that are woven into the cells and tissues and memory of our behavior, they're finely knitted into the neurons within our brain. Each time we understand a pattern that we have inherited, we can elevate our spirit and their spirit. After years of practicing the ancestral work during the time of Peter Puck's, which usually happens with the autumnal moon in the Vedic tradition, we offer a week, uh, 13 days, sorry, two weeks, a fortnight of prayers and nourishment facing south because the ancestors are in the direction of south when we look at Vastu or the Vedic architecture of how we are configured on earth and where the ancestors lie or lay. And that work has brought not only the blessings of a life that is creative and is continually healing, but it has also opened areas of growth that were not pleasant, that in fact were very difficult. Some of those areas concerned earlier mentions about being a target for great violence of, of a very violent group and being a target for the last decade or so of this particular violent, violent set of people. But I'm not here today to talk about that. I'm just here to unfold an even deeper layer of our ancestral healing, of the ancestral memories that we carry, so that once we have become accustomed to offering our oblations, our ablutions, uh, both to cleanse ourselves and also to nourish and nurture the memory of ancestors, we can begin to understand that many of our experiences, in fact, the majority of our daily lives and experiences are rooted in responses that have to do with what is within our innate set of tissue and memory and cellular memory of ancestral behavior, or let's say ancestral patterning. And what I mean by that, the patterns can be negative, they can be positive. In the case of negative patterns, if we, we've all come from ancestors that have perished in some way or another at some point in their lives. We've all come from ancestry that have had to fight wars and defend themselves, 
or we have had ancestors who were the perpetrators that had other people defending themselves on other lands defending themselves. We've had a great deal of violence in our history of all of our cultures and those ancestral memories are born within us. We have had domestic abuses in so many homes of our ancestors. We have had many different layers of violence, subtle and gross, grossified in our history, in, within our people, individual cultures, individual people. And so those patternings are set within our vital tissue memory and they're carried forward through the way we respond, in fact, to situations that in some subtle way would recall what our ancestors had experienced. It is a form of trained behavior, but it is not necessarily trained through the teachings of our ancestors telling us that we need to believe in certain things. It doesn't work that way. It is carried organically within our cellular memory and we are often pushed by these patterns. And so the deeper discovery for me, especially in the last decade of being pursued and uh, by very abusive actions, or violent actions, I should say, I have learned that although all of my life, since I've been 16 years old, I was able to manage and to maneuver my life in such a way that I could maintain the peace, I would understand the chaos, I would understand how it was to toil or moil in, in my early days, in my early life. But it is not until now that I fully understand that the deepest layer of ancestral memory lies in our response, especially when we are responding to incredible violence or incredible chaos. And in that atmosphere of, as I call it, moiling, we are pushed beyond social etiquette. And I believe that each and every human being have a vulnerability in this way, in this area of their lives where they are pushed. And so that gift, the gift of being pushed to the extreme, often reveal what is in our hidden organic constitution. And it shows us responses that could be so shocking to you or something so surprising or an absolute turnabout that you never expected in your own response or reaction to some deep uh, sense of incursion is there. And to deal with that, we must bring awareness to it. In fact, the worst thing we can do is to judge what we are doing or how we are responding. But 
If we look and listen to the earlier, some of the earlier episodes I have uh, produced on awareness and on the awareness meditation, and I am awareness, I am not the mind. That particular episode, we can begin to see how we, when we catch, when we become aware of our responses that are being pushed, we may not know why or how they're being pushed. We may not know the reason for the ire or the anger or the frustration or the deep rage that all of a sudden come up. All we need know is that it is most likely ancestral. If it is that deep, it is ancestral. It is part of the karmic composition, so to speak. And so to use this infrastructure, the entire infrastructure of our neurons and our cellular memories and everything, our prana, that is the life force within us, to use it and use it well, we want to be able to address those incredible illuminating moments when we are being pushed into responses that we absolutely do not like. In the do not liking of these emotions and the revelations of them, we find that we, through understanding how our awareness works, we can bring awareness to a certain situation immediately. We may not be able to stem the response immediately, but we can bring awareness to it. We can say, I acknowledge that this is happening. I do not like it. I acknowledge that as well. But let me hold it in a kind space. This anger, this rage, this, this, this vehement response, or whatever adjective we would like to give to that response. Let us not concentrate on what may be issuing what may be causing that response. We don't need to, to go there and delve there. That's someone else's concern. Our concern is what comes from us, what is deeply buried within us, what needs to be unearthed and what is showing itself. It's berating itself to us, deeply unearthing itself so that we can see the sprout of it come forward. And that we nourish and nurture as we would any sprout in our garden. And rather than be embarrassed by it or judge it or be even more angry that we became angry. And I have experienced all of these responses. I must say that it is wonderful to catch it right away. And we can if we set the lens of awareness as our most prominent and our highest priority, we are going to be able to be aware of the fact that we are responding in a certain way that is being triggered from our ancestral largest of memories within us. In so doing, we hold that awareness and we are kind even though we are angry. We're kind to the acceptance of that awareness. We're kind to accommodating that awareness. We have to accommodate that awareness. Everything else shifts then. 
But if we're so angry that we are also going to be dousing out the awareness, then we are not going to be able to heal from that set of patterns. And we must heal them. And they don't take forever to heal them. But it's, it is constantly catching it, constantly catching that circuitous, chaotic set of, 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 of the unearthing of something that is being dug up from the deep and holding it. And remember to just hold it without any color, meaning we're not going to put any emotions on it at all, simply that I hold, hold it in a kind space. I hold this, not the anger, not the rage, not the whatever, but I hold my awareness of whatever is happening, my anger, my rage, my my uh, my words that are harsh, I hold that in awareness. If I can't get to the kind space, at least I hold it in awareness, my awareness. So I am aware of what I am doing at the time I'm doing it. That is the first most cardinal step to heal those patterns. And we keep catching them. And we keep healing them. Ultimately, once the fire has subsided, meaning the fire of violence, the fire of being abused, the fire of whatever it is that we are caught in, whether it is a war in our community, whether it's a personal war, whether it is, it is a disease, whatever it may be that is digging so deeply, it does pass. My odyssey has lasted for a long time. And I realize that I haven't wisely used the opportunities given to me in my own dire responses. I haven't used those opportunities as well as I could have, but now I am using them. And I would like you to do likewise. And that is, if we can't look at it as a gift, because it's very difficult when you're being abused or when there's violence poised towards you or trust at you, it is very difficult to say, oh, I am with my arms wide open, I'm so grateful. Because it looks ugly, because it is ugly, because it comes at you with such force. And so basically, we may not be able to say, I welcome you. But what we can say is, I am aware of my response. I'm aware of this very moment. I am in the moment aware of my anger or of my disappointments or of my sense of being sabotaged or of my sense of being betrayed. I am aware of how I am feeling and I'm aware of how I'm responding. That's fine. We leave it at that. As we keep on being aware, as we keep on culling this awareness, garnering this awareness, every time we are given the gift of anger, every time we are given the gift of a response that is not something we are proud of, but yet we must honor that which we are not proud of, because in honoring it, we are honoring it by paying attention to our awareness. I am aware of this, whatever it may be. At the very moment that it is happening, I'm aware of it. This is a form of living meditation. It's a form 
of living in ahimsa, which is the subject that I have devoted my life to. And it's, it's so interesting because, as I said before, as soon as I started the Living Ahimsa World Tour, which is about self-peace and creating uh, non-harm and and making a commitment to absolute inner harmony, and that was almost 20 years ago now that I started that work. And as soon as I began that work, this understanding of Ahimsa became deeper. It it is true that whatever path we take, whether we are seasoned in it or not, we certainly do become seasoned in it after a while. If the path takes to us, we become the student of that path and learn so much. That was my case. I would not define Ahimsa 20 years ago as I would today. I would not be talking about awareness in quite the same way as I can tell you, tell it to you today. I would not be talking about violence in quite the same way as I can call it for what it is today. I would not be saying, oh, I admit that I can get into that state of rage when these bullies are around and they are casting all sorts of toxic stuff, very violent stuff toward me, towards my uh, habitat, my abode and uh, my life. But the fact of the matter is, those are the gifts. And we sometimes get so angry when people tell us they're gifts because we don't see them as gifts. We see them as being tormented and tortured and completely abused. All right, that too is true. That is happening. But how we see it and how we respond to it has to do with patterning, our ancestral patterning, our ancestral memories, those that have been knitted so tightly within the cellular memory of the being beingness of who we are. That is the gift, to see our own response as the gift, not what is being thrown at us, so we can clear this up once and for all. I remember being very offended when someone said to me, oh, what a gift. And then I heard a Buddhist monk tell a woman in an audience who was crying her heart out because she was raped, uh, that, oh, she was so lucky it was such a gift. Now, we, we just can't jump into those barriers and and say those things or even think those things because that's not true. Those are not the gifts. The gifts are how we respond, but that's not also the gift. The gift is when we become aware of our response and we understand that it's only through that awareness that we can evict those patterns from our physiological, psychological, psychic, and spiritual memories. And we can evict them because awareness is the greatest evictor. Awareness is the victor plus it evicts. And it appeals to us at all time. Once we begin to become akin to our own awareness, we begin to see how completely absorbed we are in awareness. And that any distance that we have suffered for however many lifetimes and length of time, length of years, have only been a separation from our own true perfect nature, the infinite wisdom, the amazing wisdom of Sat Chit Ananda, 
our nature of awareness. Thank you. We will continue our discourse today. I felt so pulled by a creative force from Mother Nature because it's the only place we can get our creative force. A yearning to talk about unfolding ancestral memory in a way where we can now look at our patterns, look at our responses when it comes to very deeply difficult challenges and become aware. We'll continue this discourse in the next episode. Peace be your journey and thank you.